Tina Desiree Berg, and welcome to the 34th. Hello, good evening. Um, it's a shame that folks who claim to care about children have decided to use one child as an example to further their own self-interest. I would ask everyone who is commenting tonight to please remember that there is a child at the center of this discussion who is being harmed every time you speak. Regardless of how you feel, there is a child at the center of that discussion. I'm here tonight to address some of the misinformation and outright lies, <clears throat> excuse me, being spread by school board candidates, Karen Meyer, Joelle Mancuso, and Sofia De Domenico. They're working hard to tell you that there are huge problems within CBUSD, that there are things afoot that should scare you. They work hard to spread a false message that parent voices aren't welcome. None of them have children within CBUSD. My son has been a student, a student here for 12 years, and he spent, 12, he spent three years before that at the amazing Horizon Hills. From the very first moment we stepped onto a campus, it was clear that parent voices and parent participation are valued, sought out, and heard. It boggles my mind whenever I hear it being spread that CBUSD doesn't listen to parents. There are so many opportunities to have your voice heard and to share your ideas with the district. Here's, here's a list of some. PTA, PTSA, PFA, and numerous booster clubs, school site councils, district advisory council, special, special education district advisory council, student district advisory council, African American district advisory council, district English, English learners advisory council, um, gifted and talented education advisory council, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or questioning advisory council, principal coffees, equity task force, technology committee, measure I committee, school choice committee, wellness committee. This is by no means an exhaustive list. There are other avenues that the district provides to encourage participation. There is ample opportunity given to review new curriculum, new curriculum materials and literature suggestions. It has been my experience that principals and administrators are available and responsive to inquiries and feedback. One of the worst things I'm hearing being spread is that CVUSD and teachers, and teachers specifically are, quote, grooming our children. It's just disgusting. I think back on all the teachers my child has had, and it hurts me to think that any one of them have to hear such an egregious thing see, being said about them. I don't always agree with every policy the district has made, but I have never for one second thought that they didn't have the best interests of my child and yours at heart. I truly hope that the fine people of Thousand Oaks are paying attention and not falling for the ugly tactics of the people I mentioned earlier. I think what we're hearing tonight, what we've heard about the money following and vouchers and other things, is the, the goal here is for certain folks wanting to dismantle public education, dismantle and defund public education. That is what this is about. And if that's what you're about, I'm not gonna argue that. But those school, those school board candidates I mentioned, this is a public school district. If you're about dismantling public school education, this is not the place, this is not the place for you. Um, I hope that you will support all can the candidates who are kind, calm, smart, and who truly have the best interests of all the kids in CVUSD schools. Those candidates are Cindy Goldberg, Bill Gorbach, and Lisa Powell. Thank you.
Desiree Bergen. This week on the podcast, we're speaking with a parent at the Conejo Valley School District, Megan Goebel. You also work there in the, for the school district, and you have um, you have a daughter, I believe, that's there uh, attending school. So I brought you onto the show because I wanted to talk a little bit about right-wing extremism, how we're seeing a lot of right-wing extremists show up at school boards, how they are interfering with the meetings, how they're harassing you know, parents of children and uh, students outside of the meetings. Their ultimate goal seems to be, uh, you know, it started, I think, with anti-vaxxer stuff where they wanted to end the mandates. Uh, not have requirements for wearing masks. And now it's morphed into this more nefarious version of being very much anti-gay rights, anti-trans rights. Um, And I believe your daughter is also a trans individual. So uh, talk with me a little bit about the background because it seems like Conejo Valley is becoming sort of a hotbed uh, for, for this activity. Yeah, absolutely. So um, thanks, Tina, for having me. I'm excited to be here. As you mentioned, um, my name is Megan Goebel. My I have two girls in Canal Valley Unified. I have um, a cisgender sixth grader, sixth grade daughter, and a third grade transgender daughter. Um, yes, I do also work for the school district. I also am heavy into volunteering and sit on different advisory councils as well. So very involved with um, the school and have been ever since my youngest daughter, Harper, started kindergarten um, a couple of mm-hmm. years back. So yeah, um, I've seen it all. I've seen that whole exactly what you're just talking about with the anti-vax and um, anti-mask mandate. I mean, everyone that was, you know, the hill to die on for a long time. And it's definitely moved now to, as you said, anti-trans, anti-gay, all of it. Um, And so we've had a storm of folks that have started coming to our school board meetings um, since the end of the last school year, so June of 22, that are coming in with all kinds of stories, all kinds of things that are made up and (laughs) misinformation to try to scare everyone. Um, And it's, it's, been a really rough couple of months. Um, the last board meeting that I went to with my girls was in June and they were with me for that. There was a proclamation made by the board during that month um, to recognize that June was Pride Month. And so we were there. There were tons of us there with our kids. We had pride flags. Everyone was so excited to be there. And this right wing extremist group showed up as well and literally scared a lot of us away. Um, I ended up having to take my kids home. They were following people to their cars. They were making comments. They were yelling at people. It was a really scary situation, especially when you have your kids there. What do you think their ultimate goal is? Is it to uh, just intimidate the parents? Is it to actually change policy in the district? Because it bothers me that none of these are actual stakeholders. They don't have children that go to the school district. They don't live in the district. They've been traveling around. They were down at Norwalk. Uh, They were down in San Pedro, Torrance area. So they've been traveling around doing this. Yeah, I think, you know, there's some very well orchestrated organizations across California that are starting. You're going to start seeing a lot of the same faces and a lot of the same names at all of these different board meetings. Exactly what you're saying, because I asked at that board meeting in June with a lot of these parents and people that were there, I said, are you, do you live here? Do you have kids here? And I would say more than 60% of the people I talked to said no, that they didn't, but they were just here because they were advocating for all kids. 
Um, and so they're going around with the same narrative each time. I think their end goal is a couple of things. I think definitely that they're trying to intimidate. They're trying to get their people elected onto the board so that they can have, you know, this extremist voice on their side. It's about control, I believe, at the end of the day. Um, and then also, you know, they think that going to board meetings makes the difference when it's actually all the way up at the state. There's really nothing, you know, board members, superintendent, administration, hands are tied to follow the law. Um, and so I think that they think that they can make change just by going there and, and spouting off. But the reality is they can't. Right. So let's talk about the law for a second, because you're correct. We have uh, we have protection laws here in the state of California. And I think they just recently became aware of that. Right. Because this didn't seem to be an issue in the past. But this group tends to go from uh, issue to issue to issue, uh, kind of drumming up outrage. Right. So I think um, I think trans rights is the next issue. Yeah. Uh, what are the laws that protect uh, trans kids, trans kids in the state of California? So there's a specific one that I always kind of revert back to, and it's AB 1266. And what AB 1266 states is that students that are transgender or gender expansive um, that are in our schools are protected. And what that means is, is that if they come from a home that isn't affirming, so example, all these folks that are showing up at these boards, board meetings and, you know, trying to um, spout a bunch of misinformation, um, they have laws that are in place to protect those kids in the classroom. And so if a child comes and, you know, leaves before winter break as one gender and comes back from winter break as the opposite gender, the teacher in that classroom has an obligation and a right to protect that student. But at the same time, as we know, students are, um, you know, they're creative and they have broad minds and they're, they want to learn, they're sponges. So if they see a tree that's outside with a cool leaf, they're going to bring that leaf into the classroom and say, Miss so-and-so, can you, can we look this up? Can we check this out in a book? And can you tell us more about it? Same exact thing. There's no difference when a, it's a child. So they're doing the best that they can, but it's definitely not written in the curriculum. There's no gender education for any grades K through five, but these laws are in place to protect these kids in the classroom so that if they don't have affirming homes, they can at least have a safe place in their school. As it should be, nobody should live in fear. And it, it surprises me that the uh, party, the GOP that is of uh, this idea that, you know, raise your own kids, we don't want a nanny government is very angry about this. I think personally what I'm seeing is a lot of Christian fascism out there. We see a lot of um, street preachers, uh, I would say MAGA churches involved mm -hmm. with uh, these protests. Do you think that that's accurate? Absolutely accurate. We have one here uh, locally in Newbury Park called Godspeak, which is led by Pastor Rob McCoy. And Rob McCoy is one of those that is technically more of a politician than he is a pastor, but he yeah. uses his church for um, all things under that umbrella. Um, and therefore, they have tons and tons of money. They can fund people to run for school board and for city council and for these different roles. Um, and they can also help fund them to do things like, at, for example, at this last uh, board meeting, they have private security, people that were there with, you know, earpieces and the whole thing because they're the ones that need to be protected, right? So, um, uh, yeah, so it's just, it's it's pretty crazy to see, you know, the how the church and all of that, even though there is a separation of church and state when it comes to school, um, is, is really trying to be infiltrated. And there's a parent that's here locally that's kind of heading up this whole initiative and trying to really fight for what he calls my kids' rights. And the reality is in public school, your kids, my kids, every kid that goes to this school is going to a public school, which is for everyone. Therefore, you know, to have my child who's transgender be able to see herself in the curriculum from which she learns only makes her a better student and the students around her better. So the fight is 
it's pretty... no finish sorry oh no the fight is gross <laughs> it's, yeah, it's gross I uh, you know with. also i feel like there's a bastardization of science here a lot of these folks want to come from this place where they think they have science on their side right they think that uh biology is binary right that there's only two sexes when in reality there's a variance that happens in between like you're male on one side female on the other and this variance in between this has always been the case case uh being transgender is not a new thing it's been with man since the dawn of time we even have some ancient languages for example that have third pronouns so it's it's not something that is inconceivable or should be uh in my opinion should be seen as a disease or hated against or all of the other things that these folks are doing I, they just but but why do they feel like they need to uh, inject themselves in this? Is it truly just their uh, religious-based morality that's driving this, or is it deeper than that? I think it's a combination, actually. I think that their religious um, belief system, because they like to say that being transgender is a belief system, but you choose your religion. You don't choose yeah. your gender. Um, and I think that what they're trying to do is by using that as their control tactic, you know, that this is not what God would want and, you know, whatnot. However, um, I have talked with several pastors at churches that say that God loves everyone and that that's not what this is about. Right. This is really about politics and control. Um, and so when you're thinking about the way that they are coming at this um, with so much misinformation, and it's exactly like you said, gender, sexuality, all of those things are on a spectrum, right? It's not black and white. Um, you could be a, a masculine presenting female but not feel like you're in the wrong body uh, my child is a female presenting uh assigned male at birth child mm -hmm. who identifies as female and female all the way through so if we try and continue to put you know gender and um, sexuality into these boxes that's what they're trying to do because it feels safe and controlled yeah, I agree that it feels safe and controlled to them. But the reality is, is their, their biology is complex, folks. It is complex. You can be sexed with the opposite hormone uh, to your brain in vitro at puberty, um, in uh, at both in vitro and at puberty twice. You can be born with variant degrees of both male and female sex organs. I actually grew up with somebody that had that, was born with both male and female uh, sex organs. So it's complicated and trying to turn this into some hateful religious thing is really um, disarming for me. I want to ask you about the Proud Boys for a moment because uh, they have been on the forefront of a lot of these protests. They show up, they travel around, they harass parents. Um, it's their like latest thing that they're involved in. They do security. And we also are now seeing some of these folks running for a school board. We have Jeffrey Perrine in Sacramento that's currently running for a school board up there. We have another one on the East Coast, another one in Florida. So this is becoming a trend. I think part of that mandate came after January 6th where they were doing these much bigger national things. They decided it was better to focus on local uh, politics uh, versus you know trying to change the national narrative after having so many arrests made um, after the capital insurrection. So I think part of their mandate now is they're looking uh, microscopically at what they can do locally, and they've been hyper-focused on school boards out of nowhere, it seems. Um, have you seen on that note, so have you seen any Proud Boys coming up to Conejo Valley and harassing people? Have they been part of the problem there? Yeah, so I I personally at this last board meetings, um, obviously, because I haven't gone to the, the first two of the year just based for safety purposes, but um, the this last one, um, Mario, tell me his last name. I forget. Estrada. It. Thank you. Mario Estrada, who's married to a proud boy and also leads up uh, Gays Against Groomers, came to our board meeting. 
which what that tells me is that there's an escalation taking place where these folks and now, you know, with the video that's gone and the horrific reporting that ABC7 did on this, um, it's taking off and it's gone viral. And therefore, you know, that's going to spread further into that whole Proud Boy movement. And it's very scary to think that, um, you know, they could show up, more of them could show up at our board meetings. Um, they're, it's a fear tactic and it's, it's, they want to dominate the narrative and they want to come in and they want to scare everybody. And um, unfortunately, when it gets to that level, when you're talking about Proud Boys, that kind of fear mongering actually works <laughs> for people, yeah. especially like me, because I'm not, I, it's, it's a scary thought. Um, I don't want to be injured or harmed and I don't want anyone coming from my kids. Um, and so it's, it's, that's where it, I feel like it goes from the, the, um, the narrative that Steve Schneider, who's the parent who's kind of leading this whole thing within our district, goes from, you know, trying to protect his kids and, you know, be let parents parent to this is no longer about let parents parent. This is about extremism and having them come to our board meetings and scare people. So Steve Schneider, let's talk about him for a second. He is he does have parents. Um, he is a parent with kids in the district. Uh, he lives there. So he does have a vested stake in, in the conversation, but he is intentionally inviting outsiders to come to the meetings and intimidate folks. Is he part of the Godspeak uh, contingency there? I think he, this is going to sound bad. I think he's the recent Godspeak puppet. And I say that because I feel like he was approached by some of the higher ups in the Godspeak church. So Rob himself, Amy Chen is another one, Bryce Eddy. Um, there's several of them that have kind of latched onto him and made him their poster boy for this whole thing because he got into conversations with some of the right people, so to speak. Um, and so he has gone now and they are helping him. They're giving him a platform. He's been on Charlie Kirk's podcast. He's been on Bryce Eddy's podcast. He's been on Rob McCoy's podcast. He's been on Fox News. Um, he's getting his 15 minutes right now. And he, you know, he's well-spoken. He comes out, he comes across, but he's definitely being groomed. <laughs> if we want to use the word properly, um, he's being groomed in order to, um, you know, further their narrative and, and move, move ahead with it. Has he had conversation with any of the other parents about how they feel about this stuff? I mean, has, has Steve himself? Yeah. Or who? Yeah. Steve, Steve has tried several times to have conversations with me. I actually, he and I just went back and forth again online last night um, on social media. He's created a website called Conejo Alert. I believe it's ConejoAlert.org. It could be ConejoAlert.com, but he created this website to try and garner interest from people in the community to join him and be at these board meetings with him and that he would be able to tell them all the things that they weren't hearing about and seeing in the, and the, the school board is lying to them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so he, uh, he reached out to me after the board meeting in June and asked to sit down and have a conversation with me. And the reason that I did not is because when he asked to do that, he was miked. So he had a mic on him. He had people around him. It was all for a performative reason. And he wanted to try and catch me. And so I knew that if I went and sat down to have coffee with him or have a conversation, it would be exactly that. His entire um, agenda would be to try and catch me in something. And so again, last That's night. That, yeah. So uh, he has a Conejo Alert Facebook page as well. And he's now starting to infiltrate that negative and misinformation there too. And so I went back and explained to a parent who had commented on there that 
about just what you and I were talking about, AB 1266 and what the law is and the protections that it provides for students in the classroom. And he said, wow, he jumped on and replied back and said, wow, so you're finally here. Like, why did it take so long for you to jump in in the conversation? I've tried to sit down and meet with you. Send me a DM. Didn't say he was like mm -hmm. demanding me to send him a DM to meet with him. And so I wrote back on the comment, which it's public, so anyone and everyone can see it, and took screenshots in case he does decide to take it down. But um, I replied back and said, after the circus that you've brought to my hometown where my kids go to school, like, you've shown me who you are. I have no hope for you. Yeah, so plus he it, wanted to record you, which exactly. is ridiculous. Exactly. I'm not going to do it. And he talked about me on his live Instagram when he was at the school board meeting last week, and he's trying to catch me in something, and he's not going to because I'm not doing anything wrong. So what is his intention here, though? Is he just radicalized? Is he part of the January 6th MAGA crew? I mean, I don't think so. No, okay. I think he's being here's what's happening. <laughs> Tina, he's being indoctrinated. He's being, okay. you know, he's being pushed into this right wing side. Do I think that he's always been on the conservative side? Absolutely. Definitely. I think he was just an easy pawn for Godspeak and for these guys to come in and be like, look at this guy. We're going to he's their current puppet. And as soon okay. as the election is over and all of this, they're going to dump him like a hot potato. Yeah, Rob McCoy, I know, has been on Charlie Kirk. He's a big MAGA guy. You listen to some of his sermons, and it's definitely political. I don't see how he can hold on to his tax-free status, honestly. It's uh, pretty disturbing. Yeah. Uh, but I do think you're right there. A lot of folks get sucked into the rabbit hole, and it just becomes this uh, vicious cycle where they become more radicalized. The more they hear, the more they believe things. Yep. Um, I want to ask you, Megan, was there an, an initial something that happened that set him off? Yes. So um, I guess back in December of 21, um, it was in his daughter's classroom, third grade classroom, that a child had left before winter break as a girl and came back after winter break as a boy. Now, I am not going to, and you will never get me to say that I know what, what conversations took place between the family of that child that transitioned with the school. I don't have any idea what took place behind the scenes. I just know that that child came back to school after winter break as the opposite gender that they had left before the winter break. And in an effort to affirm the child, when the students in the classroom had questions, the teacher took it upon herself to go to the principal during recess and say, hey, there's this book that we have in the classroom. It's called Call Me Max. Would you be okay with it if I read this book to them to try and help them understand? Call Me Max, which I own the book, is an age-appropriate illustrated book about a child that identifies as a boy. There's one part in the book I will be, I will be very honest that I don't love where it talks about how the parents made a mistake. Parents get their pants in a bunch when they've learned that they've made a mistake and someone's calling them out on it. Let's just, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. But the rest of the book is very comprehensive. It's very easy for kids to understand. I read it with my own transgender child who was like, hey, this is a pretty good representation of the book. Like this is, yeah. So read the book in the classroom, I guess, Steve's daughter came home at the end of school that day and told him whatever she told him about there being a trans kid in her class. And Steve went to the principal of that school and told the principal that he did not approve of the fact that this was read in the classroom and that he wanted a heads up uh, that, you know, that something like that was going to take place. His argument is I have to sign a permission form to give for you to give my child Tylenol, but I don't have to sign a permission form to have a book read about a transgender kid in my child's class. That's not okay. Well, that was in January. Eventually, over time, he was trying to find ways because he was angry. He wanted somebody to make him feel better and tell him that that was never going to happen again, right. which is not 
the case. It will happen again. And so he linked up with two parents that are also at the same elementary school. Their names are Sean and Carrie Bergeret. I can't, I don't know how to pronounce their last name. Sorry. But they were, they're part of God Speak. They're part of this whole group. And so they said, oh, come to a board meeting. We'll help you. We'll, we'll help you write the narrative. We'll help you with your speech. You get up in front of the board. You, you know, say all of this. Now, all of these are recorded. So you can go back, you can go onto Canal Valley's website, find all of these board meetings and listen to all of his comments and what he said. And you can watch his story change. You can watch the escalation of the anger and you can watch the people that start coming to these board meetings based on what they're doing by, you know, um, basically like filling these rooms with these, with these folks. So after that comment, a couple of weeks later in May, that elementary school was vandalized. Oh. And on the front of the school in red spray paint, it wrote pervs work here. Oh my God. So people, I think thought that it was Steve that did it. I don't think Steve did it. I think it was somebody that just heard about it. That's part of that whole group that did it. But um, enough people thought that it was Steve that the police actually went to his house and searched his home and found that it, you know, didn't have any evidence to prove that it was or was not him. But he's using that now is like his, I opened my home to the police. The police came into my house and looked at all my stuff and you can't, I didn't do it and I didn't do anything wrong. Well, what that's done, and I can't confirm this, Tina. So this is part where like, I'll, I'll find out for you for sure if I can. But I think that the teacher from that class has actually left the district because of all of what took yeah now here's probably the, doesn't feel as safe as she used to exactly now which here's is understandable the, here's the icing on the cake steve pulled his daughter from that school and put her in another cbusd elementary school and wanted to well actually try to guarantee which he cannot do that there would be no other lgbtqia plus students in his daughter's new class but he doesn't have any hate in his heart. That's what oh, he yes, said. he does. <laughs> yeah. They just, I mean, it's oh unbelievable. God. Wait, so he's asking the new school to guarantee that there are no gay kids in his class? Are you kidding me? Yep. That's frightful. Yeah, it's awful. That is so, awful. He mm -hmm. has no right. He has no right. Zero. Wow, the extremism in the country is really outrageous. Uh, yeah. It's just getting worse. Um. So now some of these folks I'm understanding are running for school board in Conejo Valley that feel this way. Yep. Who are those folks um, and where are they coming from? So there are three of them. You have Joelle Mancuso and Joelle Mancuso is, um, she does not have any students in the district. She never has. She homeschooled all of her kids um, and she is as extreme right wing as they come. Then you have Karen Meyer, who used to answer phones at one of the schools in Conejo Valley Unified and has two kids, um, but they are grown and they do not go to the schools anymore. She was definitely recruited. Um, she is definitely a puppet. She is um, she is also extremely, extremely right wing. And it's not just about this topic in, in specific. It's about um, the books that we have in the classroom. It's about um, the books that we hold in our libraries, what's being taught, all of those things. And then the last one, which is by far the biggest puppet of them all, is Sophia De Domenico. And she does not have kids in the district. She does have young children. They just moved back to California from Texas, is my understanding. Um, and she was literally just like picked because they needed someone to run in this specific area. And I've come into conversation with some of the people that are part of her team that are going out and standing outside of 
my daughter's elementary school on back to school night handing out um propaganda in mm-hmm. with and these are her team members um and they believe that you know that kids that are transgender should don't have a place in the classroom so um it's it's they are all three of them and they all three have their um, yard signs and all of their material that they're using for their campaign it matches it's all the same colors it's all the same fonts it's all the it's streamlined they want to just now here's the problem tina the thing is is that there are five seats on the board and three of which are up for election if all three of those people win in those spots which i don't think they will i can't predict the future but my hope is is that they don't if they do i don't not not only do i already not feel safe that would lead me to potentially have to pull my own kids out of the district. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Uh, So is there some strong contenders running against them? So we have two incumbents that are running against Joelle and Karen. So, um, or no, running against Joelle and Sophia. Well, there's one. Okay. So Cindy Goldberg and Bill Gorbach are our incumbents. Those two already sit on the board right now. And then we have Lisa Powell who's running and she is, um, she's a social worker. She does um, educational, um, what's the word I'm looking for? She does research in schools. She's worked for LAUSD. She's had kids that went through CVUSD, one recently graduated. So she's part of CVUSD. This is where her kids went to school and it makes sense. She wants to put back into the district what you know the district gave to her kids. So her running makes complete sense. Um, Cindy and Bill, Bill was a counselor for CVUSD and worked in all the different schools and had kids go through CVUSD schools. And same with Cindy. Cindy was a volunteer PTA president. All of her kids went through CVUSD schools. So they all have purpose and reason for wanting to run for school board, especially here. Right. It makes sense. Um, I hope that reason prevails on a certain level. And so fellow parents that you've discussed these things with, what's Mm -hmm. the temperature there? The temperature is, is that the ones that are showing up at the board meeting right now are the loud minority. We may be the quieter majority, but at this point in time, we're realizing that by them continuing to bring in more and more people from the outside to make their noise louder, there's going to come a point, there's going to come a head where we need to, I don't want to use the words fight back because it's to us, this isn't like we're fighting for our, our kids too. Like we're fighting for the public education system. They're trying to dis- well, the They're public education Exactly. So, you know, I think that the temperature is that people are scared from our side. They're scared. And sadly, it's because of people like the Proud Boys and Gays Against Groomers and the extremists that are coming to our board meetings at an increasingly fast rate um, that they don't want to show up. They don't want to be there because they fear for their own safety. Um, But we're trying to find ways because now, especially at this last board meeting, we have a significant presence of law enforcement that's starting to come out to our our meetings. And I think that's understandable. Yeah, we have some that because right next to where the board meeting takes place is next to a huge soccer field. And they had plain clothed officers that were in that soccer field that were just ready to go. So they're upping their law enforcement presence, which I think hopefully in some way will help some of those who are scared to go to these meetings feel more comfortable to go. Um, but we do need to start showing up more often because it's, it's, we have to show support for the board that's there. We have to show support for those that are at home. And we also need to represent that middle ground of people that really don't know which side to side with because they don't have enough information. Right. No, that's true too, because it's optics. A lot of it is optics. Um, but it makes sense to me that the, what we would call the silent majority 
wouldn't be comfortable in that environment. Uh, you know, being around a lot of these right wing extremists, it, it isn't safe. I've seen them attack people. They've attacked me. They're, they can be violent when they want to be. Yeah. Um, you know, Proud Boys think they can solve any political dispute with their fists. That's just who they are. Yep. So <clears throat> takes it takes a much bigger person to do it with their words and have the actual information versus just trying to do it physically to harm right. someone. But they, but that's their entire modus operandi, right? I don't think, I don't think they have any deeper political principles than that, quite frankly, because their anti-establishment beliefs aren't really moored to any principle. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. And that's not really a political belief being anti-established. It's just being contrarian, you know, but they are becoming more emboldened as far as getting involved in actual politics. Um, you know, I mentioned Def Jeffrey Perrine earlier. He's a Sacramento proud boy. He was booted out of the GOP um, party mechanism up there for his actions, mm -hmm. but now he's running for school board. Yeah. And it's they're crazy. doing it to fill seats. It's to fill seats. I mean, these people have no idea what they're doing. They don't, they're signing up to, to sit on school boards. Yeah. They don't have a vested interest. It's absolutely not. They're no, not they're stakeholders. No. And their vested interest is to dismantle the public education system. Right. And Pure. that's exactly right. And I think there's some dark money involved. Um, I want to talk about ABC seven and Fox news for a second, because now they are part and parcel to the story. So the, the intention of these folks is to bring media into that, change the narrative and affect the outcome, right? That's that's the ploy. Correct. So you mentioned Mario, Mario Estrada. He's somebody I've had plenty of exchanges with. I generally don't see him as being dangerous. I don't pay much attention to him, quite frankly, because I think he gets off on attention. Yeah. I think that's what drives him. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, so I don't, you know, I don't need to make a story about him. I think he probably just needs a hug and to stop hating himself. Yeah. But having <laughs> Jeez. I hate to say it. it's like Mario. No, it's true. That's a lot of times my, my theory in life is that hurt people hurt people. And yeah. a lot of times I say to I, when they get that angry, I'm like, my goodness, were you not hugged enough as a child? Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I think that is true. Um, and it's unfortunate. Um, having said that, though, a lot of these folks are becoming more radical. So, you know, they end up doing things that can be dangerous. So I understand the concern there. Um, but having said that, what I'm more bothered by is that we have media stations now giving attention to that without really looking into the broader background of what's going on. To the credit of ABC7, they deleted the video and uh, retracted it and made an apology. So I thought that was the right thing to do. Um, I have a problem, though, with Fox News, the mothership, not the local. Yeah. They went ahead and had him on after the fact, after ABC, ABC7 retracted the story and apologized. Uh, Jesse from Fox News decided to give this guy a microphone. And his um, argument that was that he was an uncle. Yes. Which is uncle ridiculous. Uncle of two, apparently, in CBUSD, which I don't... I mean, He's not a stakeholder. He has no kids in the district. He doesn't even have kids. He's absolutely not a stakeholder. Correct. So, but he wants that media attention and he's now getting it. Yep. Um, my concern though, is that when you have media organizations participating in that manufactured consent, it can change the outcomes of things like those, those middle ground folks that you're talking about that you want to have conversations with that maybe don't understand the entire story. Yep. If they're being told that there's a teacher that's a pedophile, they're going to be alarmed. It doesn't matter whether it's true or not. It's obviously not true. Absolutely. Yep. So and that's the worst part. That's yeah, the worst part. So how, what's the plan to deal with that? Because it's sort of taken on another life now. 
It has. And that's the unfortunate part is, like I said, the, the minority is much louder and therefore they use their voice and fear tactics to spread misinformation. And that's exactly what happened on Fox News. The sad part is, is that ABC7, which I haven't really followed enough to be able to make a decision of kind of where they fall as far as, you know, their um, their affiliation with politics, et cetera, is that they repeatedly use the word transgenderism. Transgenderism, first of all, is not a word. Um, it was something that was used long before we understood more about what it meant to be transgender. And therefore using it technically is not only a slang term that is offensive, but it's very hurtful to the queer community as a whole. Um, and they used it multiple times. And they said it not only when Mark Brown started and was introducing the piece, but then Jory Rand went and used it again and continued to use it. And their entire story that they did out of 34 public comments that were made at that board meeting, they, they showed two of them. One was Mario Estrada and one was Steve Schneider. There were people that were there that were on I don't want to call it because it's not sides. There's no sides in this. It's everybody's in the same bucket. But the people that were supportive of the queer community and transgender students and them being able to be seen in the curriculum from which they learn and in their classrooms, there were people that spoke on that behalf, but they were never highlighted at all. And the worst part was at the very end of that video that of the, the segment, um, Jory goes on to say that this exact same thing happened the Friday before in Austin, Texas, and that that board actually redacted their comments and ended up apologizing. Now, mm. That is not going to happen. <laughs> like, and the fact that he even used that as an example after this it's horrific. Wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. It's just, it's, it gives the right wing extremists a platform to further their narrative that only continues to increase it out. I agree. I think the actual story here is what I'm doing with you. I think the story is you have a group of marauding right wing extremists going around to districts that they don't live in trying to influence outcomes. And it's been going on for months. Yep, that's exactly it. And the story is really that we just have kids that want to be kids in the classroom and want yeah, to learn. So let them. Yeah. And and we can't do that because people no. are worried about how, what bathrooms they're using and all of that. Um, so it's it's terrible. And then for Mario to go on also, and then also Jesse Waters to make the comment around um, this unfortunate circumstance where a child was um, raped at a school, I think it was this week or last week, um, they were saying a boy in a skirt went into the girl's restroom and raped the student. I don't know the, the, any of the, what it was behind it. I don't know if it was actually a cisgender male in a skirt trying to be funny and go into the bathroom and ended up raping a girl, or I don't know if it was actually a transgender girl that did it. I don't, I don't know the, the part behind it. I'd be curious to know more, but the fact that, you know, we have the media referring to transgender people as a boy in a skirt or a girl in soccer shorts is like so unbelievably offensive and horrible. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, they want to import some sort of uh, moral just desserts that don't actually exist, exactly. you know, and the, and on the flip side of that, you have, them engaging in actual acts of pedophilia and grooming and they ignore it. I mean, the situation with Matt Getz is pretty heinous. So heinous. Um, you know, I recently uncovered some old video of Tucker Carlson where he was basically defending a teacher who had given a 15 year old a lap dance and he was like, the teacher did nothing wrong. I'm like, 
Okay. That's, like, which way is it? So wow. this, this moral outrage that they are trying to manufacture isn't grounded in any genuine concern about anybody. Yeah, I, I think of, um, you know, Mario, when he came to the school board, school board meeting and he, he had a hat on that was with an AR-15 and it said pedophile hunter on it. And also a proud boy. Yep, exactly. And so when you wear something like that to a school board meeting, which there's another person that wore a shirt recently, we don't need to get in on him, but the, there's, when you wear something like that with an AR-15 on it, when after you're talking about Uvalde, when you're talking about Sandy Hook, when you're talking about all these different school shootings that have taken place, and you're referring to me in your comments that I'm the pedophile, is that a direct threat? Because it feels like yeah. it. It's his version of it. I mean, so, and the fact that they are calling you the parent, a pedophile is fucking gross. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's and actual pedophilia in the world. Can we just focus on that? They're trying to, mm -hmm. they, they think anybody that's, what kills me is Mario's gay. So I don't know what's going on with his brain right here, but you know, he was also defending, defending in my mentions, uh, like a week and a half ago, some actual Nazis from NS3131. That's their Nazis. They're self-identified Nazis. And some local ones here, White Lives Matter. In fact, you've got a little uh, hive of them up in Newberry Park. Yep. Um, they, you know, I was like, Mario, these guys would see you hanging from a lamppost. When you're not around, they talk ill of you. What are you doing? Yeah. These are Why not are you friends. defending these guys? They're not your friends. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. It's a very twisted, twisted time for sure. Yeah. <laughs> So what's next? There's a meeting coming up in October 11th, I believe is the next one. So um, yeah, next meeting is October 11th. Um, and at this point right now, if I'm completely honest, there's no plan in place on what we're going to do. Um, I, I struggle with this a lot because I want to respect everyone's safety and anonymity and all of those things. At the same time, I feel as though we need a presence as well that's there. Um, if anything, just not to argue or fight or make a scene, but to stand up and make comments um, at the dais that are factual and that are, um, you know, in contrast to what's being alluded to, even though it's not the truth. Right. Parcel to what the media fixates upon. I mean, honestly, though, if there were other commenters there the last time and ABC7 only chose to highlight two that were transphobic, that tells me something. Yeah. In the very least, they should have been uh, showing both sides. That's good journalism, in my opinion, yeah. is when you really give the full picture, which sadly they did not. And no. that's where it's very frustrating. And to, to take the video down and to submit an apology is one thing. However, there's still a portion of this to make it right. And in order to make it right, I feel like a different story has to be told. Um, and they should definitely do something along those lines there's there's has jory reached out to any of the other parents like you no there's been no no nothing at all i uh, i have a note here i wanted to ask you about this libs of tiktok ah. so they took a video of yours you talking about your experience uh your your daughter whatnot transitioning and they put it on twitter blasted it out to all of their hate-mongering followers. I'm going to call them that. You can see how horrifically mean and nasty uh, these folks are. Uh, you know, so so how has that been? So, um, you know, initially when it happened, the first thing I thought to myself without trying to assume, because my mother always taught me that assuming makes an ass out of you and me. Um, but my guess was that because in order for content to be 
um, put out on libs of TikTok, someone has to submit it to them, or at least that's the the bulk of the way that they get their content. So my my feeling was that somebody, probably from this group, um, submitted something from my TikTok. Um, that this is where social media gets very frustrating because uh, it was one video of one portion of the story. And they're trying to use that as how my transgender child identified, which it's so much more than just a three minute video, but that's neither here nor there. So um, that video was submitted to them. They posted it. And uh, in 24 hours, I received death threats. I received death threats against my child. I received hateful rhetoric. I received voicemails. I received text messages. I received comments. I received all of it. And, um, it was a very dark 24 hours. Um, it's all things that I've heard before. Now I've been in this part of being an activist, not just for my transgender child, but for the entire queer community for three and a half years. So there really isn't much I haven't heard and haven't been told or said to. It's when people make direct comments towards my child like that, that that's when it hits home. So um, thankfully now, it you know, it was kind of like I was telling you yesterday, it was a flash in the pan. Like it, it happened quickly, the fire went and it, kind of went out. I'm still getting some residual comments and things here and there. Um, it's been about a week now, but it's it's really unbelievable to me the amount of people that just sit and troll those accounts and wait for videos like that to use that as an example of whatever fits their story for that day. And, you know, I think about people like Erin Reed, for example, who's a trans woman herself, who is an activist and the kind of things that she hears all the time. Um, she's on Twitter all the time and, and, you know, providing tons of information. And she's recently started showing some of the messages that she's gotten. And it's, it's just like, there's this part, yes, of wanting to dismantle public education. There's also this, if you are not a straight white male or female, you do not belong on this planet. And therefore that's where the radicalization of exactly what you're talking about, the extremism of wanting to basically create a genocide for all of the queer community is happening. And it's horrifying when it's your child who's only eight <laughs> and this is the world she's coming up in right now. Have any of these individuals ever threatened her directly? Yes. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Things, you know, I mean, God, I don't hope she never hears this because it's so bad. Um, just, you know, people telling her that she should end her own life at eight. She shouldn't be here. Wow. That's wow. I mean, I I mean, I'm not surprised, but wow, it's very disturbing to hear that. I think because you you know, because there have been instances where trans teens have been provoked into killing themselves and these guys, they just think it's some kind of a joke. How do you protect her? I do everything I can. <laughs> I I I mean, I um you know, <laughs> This, this is where rubber meets road on all of this. You know, there's this whole thing on um, uh, constitutional right to bear arms, right? And never in my entire life ever have I. I never had a need to. I never thought about it. Um, and this is the first time in my life where I feel like I need to protect myself. And that's, I don't want to do it that way. That does not feel good. It does not feel right. Um, but I am in a position where I literally walk around my town with a target on my back every single day. And I worry about my child being at school all day long, both of them, because I feel like they're both in some way also being targeted. That's terrifying. That's fucking terrifying as a parent.
Um, but at the same time, that's why I refuse to bury my head in the sand and not continue to do what I'm doing. Because if I don't do this, if if there's not enough of us that do, they win. They They have intimidated us into a pile of sand on the ground and our heads are all buried in it. And our children are the ones that suffer because of it. And I can't do it. I can't. So you also started a nonprofit, uh, Unity Conejo, I believe it's called. So two different things. So uh, two years ago, I started Unity Conejo and it's it's comprised of just um, there's allies, educators, parents, uh, members of the queer community. We all came together. There's about 65 of us in the beginning. And we you know, started putting together YouTube videos and town halls to educate the community on um, you know, the terminology and um, the things that trans folks are up against, et cetera. So we started that, still goes. We've had two uh, pride picnics the last, last two years in June, which have been great successes. Our first one had about a little over 100 people. This one, this last year in June, um, we had 400 people registered. We had to cap it. It was great. There were kids, there was karaoke, there was face painting, there was all kinds of stuff. It was a wonderful, wonderful time. So much fun. Um, and then we do rallies where we go out and we, you know, um, stand on street corners and run around with pride flags and show, you know, joy for the queer community. Um, and then just about 60 days ago, I got my paperwork finalized to start Navigating Gray as a nonprofit organization. Navigating Gray was kind of how I started um, when Harper transitioned as a way for myself to document the process. And so I did a lot of blogs and I did, um, you know, photos and things like that. And then the more that I started getting reached out to by other kids in the community that are queer and older people that had transitioned later in life and wished, you know, that I had been their parent growing up, I realized that there was a real need for resources for people to be able to access. And so Navigating Gray, just getting off the ground, um, we have a board in place, which is great. We need to now start defining the scope of what our work will do, and it's to support and educate and bring awareness um, to families of queer kids and how to best support them in their journey. So Navigating Gray is navigatinggray.com. It's G-R-A-Y versus G-R-E-Y. So navigatinggray.com. And that's pretty much, you can get the website. It's the Twitter matches it, the Instagram. Um, for email, it's hello at navigatinggray.com. Um, Unity Conejo is more just still kind of, it's grassroots. There's really, we do have an Instagram, but there's not anything as far as like a website or anything of those. Um, but we are on Twitter as well. Um, and so either way for those, um, if people want to get involved on the local level here in Thousand Oaks, Unity Conejo is the best way to do that. Navigating Gray is more on a uh, countrywide um, right. reach. National. All right. Thank you so much for coming on and sh and uh, sharing your story with me because I know this is a, a tricky situation and your being bold puts you in the crosshairs. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been it's been really, really great to talk to you and to um, really go through all of this together. So I appreciate it. Thank you.